Hi, and welcome to Game On. This is Robert Affolter. I'm your host today, and we're going to tell you about the game of life and how you can play it a little better. At least that's what I hope my insights will bring you is uh, ideas that will help you live a little better. And before I get into it, I want to give you a little bit of the idea of how I came up with this idea. A lot of people talk about the game of life, but it's really only beneficial if each of us gives our perspective on what the game is. So kind of from my perspective, it kind of starts when I was in a meditation and my consciousness went into this space. It was kind of like being in a cloud as best I can. It wasn't like being in complete blackness. It was kind of a gray, but there was nothing to see. There was nothing to hear. It was like being in a cloud and just nothing was happening. Nothing was going on. And it's very peaceful, but nothing's going on. And I stayed there for a little while, and then I realized I was bored. And <laughs> when, when I got out of that experience, I wrote an article, and I, I titled it, In the Beginning, I Was Bored. Imagine that this universal intelligence, or God, or whatever you want to call it, that started everything. Imagine it was in this, in this place where there's nothing, nothing going on. And like I said, it's very peaceful, but nothing's going on. There's nothing to do. I can remember when I, I can still remember when I was a little kid, uh, summers, we, we weren't in school and I'd say, mom, what can we do? What is there to do? And, you know, it seems like we're constantly looking for something to do, something to occupy our time. And then if you combine that with this other experience I had, I'm, I'm in my little office. We, we, created not really an office more of a game room i guess so it's got a little computer back in the days when computers were just getting going so it wasn't that little it was a little bigger than than what they are today laptops didn't exist yet and my son matt's playing on a video game right behind me on the floor so he's on the floor playing this mario he's playing super mario i'm playing solitaire on the computer but i'm looking in the screen and i can see him matt playing Mario. And it's like, he is into it. He's not, I, I really don't think he was mad anymore. He was Mario. I mean, he was working that, you know, joystick and making that go. And, and as I looked at him, I realized, you know, here I am playing a game. Is it possible that life is just all about playing a game? When you combine that with this, this uh, experience I had of being in, in just consciousness with nothing around me, um, it, it made sense to me that we're here to play a game. That, And then I got to thinking, okay, now how would you go about creating this game? And any game that we're going to create, what we start off with is a field. If you want to play football, you have to have a football field. Somebody's got to have the ball and somebody's got to come up with the rules. I mean, if you're starting from scratch, that's kind of how you'd have to go, right? Basketball is similar. You have to have a basketball court. Uh, tennis, you have to have a tennis court. I mean, but for a lot of our games, we have to have a playing field. Now, if you don't have a playing field, sometimes you have to have um, like a deck of cards. You have to have something, you know, something to make the game. So imagine that this universal intelligence creates a universe just so it can play a game. Now, <laughs> what kind of a game would you play? How do you play the game? Well, you get everything out there and... You need something, you need some kind of character to play the game. Now, I never played this game, Dungeons and Dragons. My oldest son, Sam, was into that when he was in his teens. And he kind of told me about it. Somehow you create a character and you play the game with that character. And, and at the time, I thought, huh, 
That sounds a lot like the game of life, doesn't it? And <laughs> so I, I kind of into that, and it kind of goes along with chiropractic philosophy. I've been into chiropractic philosophy since uh, most of my life, actually. My father was a chiropractor, so I kind of started off thinking about the idea of a creative intelligence creating the universe, and we are playing this game. I guess the game idea was new to newer to me. But the idea that there is a creative intelligence and we are part of that creative intelligence. And then when I look at um, when I look at even the Bible, doesn't Jesus basically say the same thing? The father and I are in one. The father's in me and I'm in you. And he's not talking about his physical body. Obviously, he's talking about some kind of a soul, a consciousness, right? Something, something other than our physical presence. And. Then I started teaching chiropractic philosophy, and I was teaching that online, um, not like this, but eh, kind of like this. If you're watching, if you're watching the video, it's not live, right? You're watching a video. Well, only instead of videos, what most of it was was just things you read. Because I started back in 2004 before we were really doing videos, and then I stopped doing the whole thing. I had it all canceled because I realized. You know, these days, nobody wants to sit and just read something. We need we need videos. We need audios. We need in this multimedia environment. So I began doing that. But back when I started doing this, I realized that the game of life, if, if we figured out chiropractic philosophy and the game of life, if if we could really nail this down and look at the current research, the brain research and and how our brains function, if we really nailed all this down, I think we could look at everything and suddenly it would all make sense. So that's kind of my goal is to make healthcare make sense, because oftentimes it doesn't. And I also wanted to make religion make sense, because in my opinion, a lot of times it doesn't. And go from there. Philosophy, you know, our philosophy as far as how life works, make that make sense. And in order to do that, we can't just just make stuff up. We also have to be able to look at evidence. We have to be able to look at the evidence provided by science. So those are some of the things that I want to do um, with this podcast, with this show. So again, welcome. And so the big the beginning of it is, though, that you are part of this universal intelligence and that you can control your body. Now, let's go further from there. I was a systems engineer for IBM for three years before I went into chiropractic. And when I started, I knew nothing about computers. That wasn't my background. Back when I graduated in 78, um, I'd never seen a computer. Nobody had a computer. That, I mean, the closest we had, let's see, in 78, we didn't even have the, the games. I guess maybe, no, we didn't even have any of the games, the, you know, the, the games that we've got today. So I had no idea what a computer was. And when I was in the MBA program, before I went into, went into uh, computing with IBM, um, we were talking about in the marketing class, we were talking about uh, the life cycle of a telephone. And once you get, when you look at a product life cycle, what you see is a few sales in the beginning, early adopters, and then more and more people buy until everybody's bought, and then it kind of fades away and dies. And my marketing teacher was saying he was at AT&T and he saw this product life cycle and he said, product life cycle. And he said, what's that the product life cycle of? He saw the curve and he recognized the curve. And they said, the telephone. 
And the prediction was back when I was working for IBM, right? I quit in 81, right when I was quitting, they were saying there will be more computers on desks than telephones eventually. Now, what they didn't look for is for your telephone to become a computer and to be cellular. And that wasn't in the cards yet, but that basically is what's happened. But the, the thing I want to get across to you is right now, if you've got a cell phone, you've got a little computer holding that you can hold in your hand that's got more power than the biggest computer IBM was selling back when I left in 1978. I, think, I just think that's amazing. Now, you also know what a program is. You, we call them apps now, the apps that you download onto your phone. So your phone is the hardware. When you buy a phone, you get the hardware. And it doesn't have that many apps on it. So it doesn't have that many functions. But you can load apps onto it. And that changes the arrangement of the hardware so it does something different. And basically, that's how software works. So if you think of your computing instrument, your phone or your computer, whatever you're working with, as a series of zeros and ones, that's how they work today. I guess in, in quantum computing, it's going to be different, but I don't know anything about that. <laughs> so anyway, if you think about it as zeros and ones, all these switches are either on or off, zeros or ones. And the software then sets these switches so that it will respond in a certain way. That's basically what software is. Now, Compare that to your brain. Your brain's basically a biocomputer. And when you're born, it comes with certain settings already set. So certain reflexes are already there. And as you grow more and develop more, your brain evolves a little bit more. It grows a little bit more. And certain other reflexes and things come up. But a lot of this is already there. Then you add programs to it either your parents, your teachers, your ministers, advertising. I mean, every experience of your life can become another program in your brain for how the world works. Now, our challenge is a lot of the programs that we put in there aren't true. And that's an amazing, an amazing thing in itself. But one of the even more amazing things is when I discovered that I can control the programming. Now, most of us think we can control it, but uh, what was surprising was when I took this exercise, and the exercise was just to try to focus on thinking about something. I actually created this. It's a, it's really the basis of the program mental mastery at affalteracademy.com. And I guess you have to have the HTTPS colon slash slash www before, and I'll put a link to it in the in, at Anchor if you're listening there so that you can go there if you want to. And you can take the whole course. It's free. I think it I kind of set it up as an eight-week program. But the, basic, uh, the basics of the program is that you are an intelligence controlling your body using your nervous system. That goes along with chiropractic. The chiropractic thing is you can get a bone in your spine out of place, interferes with your nervous system, and then your body doesn't respond to your intelligence properly. So we fix the problem in your spine so your nervous system can work the way you want it to so that you can control your body. That's the basis of chiropractic. So basically, the autonomic nervous system, the, the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems are the, the part we don't have, we think we don't have any control over. We don't have any conscious control over or limited conscious control. 
let me give you an example. When I was an intern, Dr. Crowder said, so you, how much control have you got? Can you stop your breathing? Can you stop your heart? And then he said, and if you can, for how long? <laughs> you stop your breathing for a while. But if you're really good at it, my, my father said he, when he was a kid, he could hold his breath till he passed out. You know, some people can do that. But once you pass out, what takes control? Something other than the part that was in control and could <laughs> make you pass out, right? So what I'm getting to is you can either think you're your programming, which is basically your ego. So all these experiences that we've recorded in our brain, and we, we kind of think we're the experiences. We're conscious of our experiences. We're, we've got these memories, and that's who we think we are. We're the memories. We're, we're aware of our background. We're, we're aware of how we're playing the game. But if you really look at it, if you can control those thoughts, you have a, a memory about something or, or something comes up in your consciousness and you have this thought and you can go, well, I don't want to think about that. I'm going to think about something else. The very fact that you can control that means that you're not the thought. You're something other than your brain. Now, I first got this, this thought from uh, In Search of Schrodinger's Cat by John Gribben. My son, Matt, that was playing the video game, when he was in college, he was reading this book and he loaned it to me. Me wound up becoming a physicist, but he loaned me this book and it's by John Gribben, who's a physicist, and he's explaining quantum mechanics. And the, the sentence that caught me was, the question that physicists have been ducking since the time of Newton is, is the universe determined? And by term determined, it meant if we knew the position and velocity of all the particles of matter, we could predict the position and velocity of all the particles of matter in the future. And it'd be like playing pool. <laughs> We'd know where everything was going to go. And if we knew where everything was going to go, the universe is completely determined. Oh, wow, I never thought about that before. And then I thought, well, what if we put that together with this idea of evolution. And the idea of evolution is that there's no you separate from your body. You're just your body and you've evolved since the Big Bang. So the Big Bang and then we had matter forming and out of this some kind of primordial soup, life evolves and then life combines, cells combine with other cells to form organisms and organisms combine together to form more complex matter and eventually you and me show up and and we have brains and it's the brain that creates thoughts it creates our mind now logically if your brain's creating something that something can't go back and change the brain it just doesn't work what you're really seeing is how the brain works so if all that was true we have no control and that's the scientific explanation actually you don't have any control Metzinger in uh, the book, The Ego Tunnel, said that if we could take your body atom for atom and build an exact, if we could build an exact replica of your body and put that replica in the same position as you in time and space, it would react exactly as you would react. And he said, that's, that's the science. And the ego is really these programs that are running in your brain. Now, here's the thing, though. If you can control them, 
then you're not the brain because you can control the brain. So if the mind can somehow control the brain, that falsifies everything else. It means, you know, it doesn't really work that way. Now, by mind, we typically mean um, more like soul, more like um, a spirit. We don't mean these thoughts that we think in our, in our mind. So when you have thoughts, and, and we often talk about, well, I have this thought, and that's my mind, or I changed my mind. But by the way, changing your mind is obviously somehow you are not your mind. You're able to change your mind. You have a mind, and you can, can, you can change it. <laughs> so that, again, is evidence that you are not your body. You are not your mind. You are something else. So now the question is, how can I be that something else? so that I'm not just my ego, these programs that are running around in my brain. And why is that important? I think you'll find that you'll be much happier. At least I found I've been much happier working with controlling my mind and changing my mind and getting control of my brain. And I really believe a lot of the polarization that we're seeing in everything all around the world is one ego program fighting another ego program and neither side really backing off and getting out of the program going wait a minute let's just think this through a little bit maybe i'm wrong and if you can just start to think maybe i'm wrong <laughs> the whole universe of opportunity opens up for you you can start looking for other possibilities so if all of this appeals to you, I'm going to be talking about this over and over again. Then we're also going to get into a little bit longer discussions where we're talking about, you know, whatever current events are and how you can use this process to have insights into what's really happening. But for right now, I'm going to stop right there. Actually, I'll give you, I'll give you one more. This is kind of fun. I posted this on LinkedIn. And I saw this young woman that was giving a TED talk, and I watched a little bit of it. And I didn't watch the whole thing. And it may have been great, but it was a young woman, and she looked like she was maybe in her 30s. And I'm 67, so, you know, I've lived a lot more life. Doesn't mean I'm any smarter, but I've lived a lot more life. And she's talking about how the research shows what we need to do to lead happier lives. Uh huh. <laughs> it's. It seems to me it's kind of like the virgin that's going to tell me how to have better sex by reading a book. Oh, now I've read the book. I know all about it. Let me teach you something. Well, those of us that have actually lived life um, and have tried a lot of things and kind of seem to figure out some of the things we've done wrong. Um, I think when we hear some of that stuff, we can go, yeah, I tried that. I tried that. I, one of my favorite authors is Vernon Howard. He's actually, I think, the one that I got this idea about controlling the brain. And he was, he was talking about the, the mystic. And he said, you know, the, the person comes up to the mystic and says, well, you don't know what my life is like. And, you know, I've had problems. You, you just have no idea. And the, he said, the mystic just sits there and listens and thinks back at his life. And he hangs back at all the problems he's had, the affairs he's had, uh, the business failures he's had, you know, all these problems he's, he's gotten through. And he just doesn't say anything. He just thinks about that and smiles. 
So don't don't accept anything. One of part of my mental mastery program is don't accept anything as truth, but try to think it through. Try something a little bit and see if it makes sense to you. See if it helps you. And then look at the evidence. What do you think? DJ Palmer once started a talk with something like this. He said, I'm presenting these ideas today. And he said, accept them if you can, reject them if you must. But I believe upon mature reflection, you'll agree with all the principles that we hold most dear. So that kind of gives you a start. We're going to probably talk about the same thing now for a while until I get this kind of worked out in my mind as to how to talk about it better. And probably other things will come up to me as we go along. And, and we'll maybe talk about some other books and some other authors and, and try to bring things back so that makes sense to you and, and helps you have a better life. If you have any questions, be sure to ask. I think there's a little spot on, on the podcast where you can just ask a question. I'll try to remember to, to look them up and answer them. And with that, I want to thank you for listening or watching, whichever one you're doing. And game on. Get out there and play the game. Thanks a lot.